hello everyone before we get started uh i just want to say uh there is a horror cinema in the garden event at Roz talks they're back with the uh outdoor patio screenings and there's going to be six hours of fun happening at Roz talks friday april 30th so it's next friday uh aired from uh today's recording um, so if you're a listener that, you know, day one listener, once the episode drops and uh, you're in the Quad Cities area, mark your calendar because uh, it's coming up April 30th. It's the, It starts at 6 p.m. and won't get over till all the movies are played. There's going to be at least six hours worth of movies playing. So, Death Stitch Custom Clothing and Roz Talks presents Horror Cinema in the Garden. Uh, the Garden Screen will will have movies Spring Fever, which is a horror movie that was made in the Quad Cities. It was uh, originally released in 2020, uh, but it is now getting a disc release sometime this year, uh, and hopefully very soon, actually. But uh, Spring Fever is directed by Izzy Sutton and Chris Maclier. And uh, I'm sure they're going to be in attendance there. And uh, as well as some other people involved in the movie Spring Fever. Uh, it's, it's a fun movie. Uh, you guys should check it out. And then also uh, on the garden screen, which is uh, another great movie called The Wicker Man from 1973. Directed by Robin Hardy. And those will be the two movies in the garden screen. And then we have uh, two movies playing in the two movies playing on the patio. The patio screen will have Highway to Hell from 1991, directed by Brian Helgeland, and Night of the Creeps from 1986, directed by Fred Decker. That'll be on uh, last movie playing on the patio. So. As always, it's a free event, so there's going to be a lot of uh, horror fans there watching uh, some great horror movies, and uh, I hope to see you there. But without further ado, uh, we're going to get right into the episode with Steve Merlot. He's uh, the director behind the Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film, The Sawyer Massacre, and he's here to talk about the Indiegogo campaign that's going on right now. And, uh, and talking about the movie, and then we uh, talk about some horror stuff, just horror in general. So uh, enjoy. Hello, everybody. This is the Root Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus, and I'm here with Steve Merlot, who uh, is the man behind a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film called The Sawyer Massacre. He's here today to talk about that film and uh, the Indiegogo campaign on the movie right now. Uh, first of all, uh, how are you doing today, Steve? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Awesome. So uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre has always been uh, 
you know, almost like a, a fan favorite to a lot of uh, the horror fans out there. And, you know, it, it's such a big uh, staple within the horror genre. Uh, what made you th- want to tackle uh, this uh, huge franchise as a fan film? Good question. Um, it just came over time, really. It was, uh, it, it started, the, the wheels began turning uh, after I had seen the remake in theaters. And uh, I guess there were some great things about the remake, but also there were some things that really disappointed me, and it just kind of got ideas going in my head at that time. And uh, eventually those ideas just kept growing and growing until, you know, I had a script. Um, I had never written a script at that point, though, so uh, obviously it needed some tweaking. Um, But I had a script, and... uh, uh, after I had had a script ready and a bunch of uh, fellow filmmakers in the uh, area I live said, just go ahead and make it and see see what you can do and uh, got some help. We uh, actually did do a short film that was my very first uh, uh, short film ever. It was a, a, just a short uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film. Uh, not very good. Uh, it might be on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um but you might be able to find it. Um, but it was, it, you know, it was just one of those things that uh, I tried and uh, thought thought it could be fun. Um, and then I just kind of put it away, and I, I wanted to focus on doing other projects. And it kind of resurfaced again uh, after many years. And I was, I, I guess, you could say my ideas were still coming along, and I was developing myself more as a screenwriter. Um, and enough, uh, I m- made some contacts in, in the industry, uh, not just in my local industry, but, you know, I met, met a contact uh, from Universal and uh, some other contacts in L.A. And uh, they kind of, you know, they were, int- they liked the concept of what I, where I was going with it. And they just, uh, they just helped me, uh, give me some advice and, and get the script in the right direction. And uh, it got to the point where I said, maybe I want to come back to this now. And uh, with uh, a lot of rewrites happening uh, and uh, finally figuring out something that made, uh, made sense that uh, didn't make it just feel like a, uh, some sort of a remake or anything like that, where there was something extra um, but, at, but different at the same time, uh, it just got to the point where I felt like this, this was a, a film that, uh, that really needed to be made, that this, this is something that we haven't seen before. That was important to me is to not just remake, not just to, you know, try to recreate what the original did. It's uh, it's good to try to capture a bit of that feeling, but at the same time, I knew I had to add something new. I had to add something that uh, that we hadn't really seen before, and uh, I think I figured it out. So <laughs> here I am with uh, here I am now doing an Indiegogo campaign, and we're raising raising some decent funds to get the film made. But hopefully in Texas, that's our that's our big goal is to raise enough to actually shoot the film in Texas. Oh, awesome, awesome! Which uh, would make this an authentic Chainsaw Massacre movie because uh, there's nothing like. Uh, Seeing that Texas heat in the uh, you know in the in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, yeah, it makes um, a difference for sure. Um, for like uh, you know maybe the listeners that uh, haven't uh, looked into 
your Indiegogo campaign. Uh, can you tell us about like uh, without giving things away, like what is uh, sort of the the premise of this fan film? Well, it uh, it 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 uh, takes place in the mid nineteen sixties, so we'll we'll set uh, set that. Um, and it uh, it really does focus on a uh, a young guy. Uh, we are our final, I guess you could call him a final guy. Uh, although there's, I, I guess you would say a final girl as well. But, but uh, the uh, the male character is a uh, the protagonist, and it's his story that uh, he has the biggest uh, story arc of any any character in the film, and uh, his experience basically um, uh, helps him through his own personal problems. Um, but again, I don't want to get into spoilers, so I'll just leave it at that as far as that goes. Uh, but yes, um, I guess you could say the biggest thing I wanted to make sure I'm doing is respecting the fact that the original, um, was very much a product of its time and reflected on a lot of the social issues that, uh, that were happening at that time back in 1973, um, which was a lot. It was a pretty dark time. It, it could be considered maybe the darkest time in American history. Um, definitely one of them anyways. I mean, some of the stuff we're going through now, I guess, too, though, is uh, is pretty dark, too. Mm-hmm. Um, which helps me, in fact, because then I can kind of uh, draw parallels to when our, fi- our film takes place, uh, which is the mid-1960s. And I think the one thing that I can really parallel very well with today, with like, uh, we'll say 2020... And uh, mid 1960s is the world really kind of changed uh, suddenly at that point. Um, it wasn't so much uh, sunshine and rainbows anymore when 19- when the mid 60s hit and Vietnam was starting and all. Uh, the, it, everything was just changing so much at that time in America that it uh, it caught people off guard. So I really wanted to I wanted to deliver a film that's going to catch you off guard, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I thought that that's a good uh, uh, point to make it uh, to be like, uh, uh, you know, it's almost like a parallel uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, the early 1970s to, to now. That's it, a good uh, observation. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll kind of draw uh, some inspiration, if you will, to... Uh, to the making of, of your film. It definitely did. I de- definitely did with a lot of things in our script. Um, again, uh, uh, it is a prequel, I guess you could say, uh, to the original, because uh, it takes place in the mid-1960s, but uh, I just want to make sure people are cl- uh, understanding that it's not really an origin story um, of the Sawyer family. Um, but we do add some different layers, so a couple things I can talk about as far as that goes, is, well, it's about eight years earlier, so uh, Grandpa hasn't lost the ability to speak yet, uh, so he actually has a, a fairly prominent role. I, I knew that I couldn't recreate uh, Grandpa from the the original. That's kind of impossible, because, uh, I mean, in the original, he goes from, you think he's a corpse, and all of a sudden he's sucking Sally's uh, finger, and that you can never recreate that moment. I just felt like, so if we're going to have Grandpa, he has to be different, and it made sense that he could still speak. And in our in our teaser trailer, uh, John Dugan, who played Grandpa originally, did a voiceover for 
for the character for the very first time. That's never been done. Uh, so it's kind of horror history, uh, although unofficially because it's a fan film. Wow, that's incredible, man. Thanks. Yeah, I had a chance to meet John, uh, what was it? Uh, well, I guess it would be two years ago now at uh, well, Midwest Monster Fest. And he he just seemed like such a cool guy, uh, down to earth, and you know he just talked to you about anything. And uh, they they actually made a beer at the event called uh, Grandpa's Hammer. <laughs> wow, and, uh, it it was pretty good. And uh, I asked him if uh, if he wanted a beer because he was already drinking one. I was like, you want me to buy you another ham- uh, Grandpa's Hammer? And he's like, oh, sure, man. So <laughs> that's awesome. kind of cool to say that I bought Grandpa a, a Grandpa's Hammer Lager, I think is what they're called. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he was a great guy to work with. Uh, has some interesting things to say, for sure. And he's, he's uh, I like that he doesn't uh, sugarcoat anything. <laughs> he definitely doesn't sugarcoat anything. He'll tell you what he thinks of uh, anybody that worked on the original Texas Chainsaw, whether it was good or bad, but you know, he mostly had good things to say about most people. <laughs> I don't know right. if he had said any of the same stuff to you, but it was, it was mostly good. Yeah. Uh, you know, to add to that, he, he kind of does say what's, what's on his mind. He doesn't hold back on stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I I will say he he doesn't like Walmart, or at least when uh, I talked to him, he had some bad things to say about Walmart. Uh, well, <laughs> because, I do uh, too, you know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I I think we all have bad things to say about Walmart, but in oh, in yeah. particular, uh, they were selling a Texas Chainsaw Massacre T-shirt, and uh, <laughs> I had it was like the only T-shirt I had of Texas Chainsaw, so I, one day, because the event happened, like, two days, so, one day, I did wear that shirt, and that's where he was telling me about, uh, you know, how, how much he disliked Walmart, and that, uh, uh, originally, the, the picture, he's like, you know, what's missing on that picture, because, really, it's just a picture of, uh, Bubba, uh, and, uh, he said, what's real, what's missing is, uh, it was Grandpa. Grandpa was supposed to be in the original picture, but somehow they they took him out of there, and then they oh, just wow. wanted, uh, you know, Leatherface on there. And so I was like, "Yeah, that that's kind of shitty that they did. That. I don't know why they would do that." But uh, you know, uh, that that was kind of the the uh, the basis of this of the story of why he hated Walmart. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> I'm not sure if Walmart would have actually created that T-shirt though either, but uh, who knows, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I. That, that's like a whole other yeah discussion <laughs> uh, wormhole we could go down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so tell me about the the Indiegogo campaign and like what uh, could people expect uh, to you know to go on your Indiegogo campaign and, uh, and, and get as far as helping fund the movie. And then what, you know, what are some of the things that they could get in return? Oh, sure. For sure. Um, so we're about, uh, we've, we're nearly at the halfway point in our, uh, in our, uh, in our funds raised. 
in fact, we've actually done two Indiegogo campaigns, and between both, we've actually crossed the halfway point as far as what we need to get to Texas. Uh, we might have to do one more, we'll see. But as far as what we have available on the campaign, what uh, would backers get in return, uh, they go, they range they range quite a bit. We have a lot of different things. Uh, if you just want, if you just got a few bucks, uh, you know, five dollars gets your name in the in the credits under the special thanks section. Um, then you can go up and get the uh, digital download if you if you don't like to have uh, physical media. Well, some people don't. I'm I happen to be one of those people. I'm not much of a physical media person. I'm not a big collector or anything like that. So anytime I can just get a digital download, I'm happy with that. But uh, I know there's a lot of collectors out there. So we have a ton of collectors items uh, on our campaign as well, including we have we have uh, VHS. Blu-ray and DVD, you can get all three of those. You can get all three of them in a bundle if you want to, uh, so you don't have to pay the extra shipping charges on uh, on each one. Um, so that's a good collector's item. We have um, we have the the screen used masks we're going to use for Leatherface available on the campaign. Those come at a price because uh, they are going to be high quality silicon masks made by our SFX artist. And uh, they, there's a lot of molding and sculpting that has to be involved with that. So those ones aren't too cheap, but they're under $1,000, so they're not too, too bad. Uh, we did we did have the screen use chainsaw up for about five days, but uh, that got taken. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised it lasted oh, wow. even, even five days, uh, but uh, it's been taken. Uh, and it will be signed by Leatherface, so uh, one lucky person is, is getting that. But we we do also have our screen used uh, Leatherface aprons available on the campaign. That's a pretty cool collector's item. Again, they'll be uh, signed by our Leatherface actor Scotty Parkin. Uh, what else have we got as a collector's item? Here's one I think I, I'm kind of surprised hasn't sold. I thought would sell more. Uh, it's, I think we've only sold one, and that's uh, the the Sawyer family portrait. Uh, so if any of you guys are familiar with that one uh, portrait they they took of all the family members, I, th I think, hanging out outside uh, the house uh, for like a group photo. Uh, we're going to do something similar to that with our cast and all the members playing uh, the Sawyer family. And then they're all going to sign the frame because uh, we're going to actually frame this, uh, this, uh, this photo. Um, so that's a pretty cool item. They're all going to sign it. And the reason why it's even a little bit cooler, I, I think, is because there's not a single scene in our film where all of them are together at the same time. So I think it's kind of cool that we're going to have that just for this photo shoot only. Um, and they'll, they'll be all, all dressed in character and everything, and then they're going to sign it. So uh, I'm a little bit... I'm Only one person's got it, so maybe we'll only actually make one, and it'll be a one-of-a-kind thing. But uh, I think, you know, for the price that you pay on that one, it's just over $100. It's a pretty, uh, pretty awesome perk to get. Um... I would get it if I was a collector. <laughs> maybe I'll get an extra one and just maybe I'll I'll still make two and uh, keep one for myself. <laughs> right. So that's that's, that's a few sweet. things. Anyways, we got uh, again lots of collectors' items. You know, um, what else do we have? Uh, not just the screen use mask, but uh, the replica masks as well. We are able to do replicas at a much uh, cheaper price. I think those are around around three hundred dollars US for the uh, replica masks. Um, yeah, so yeah, lots of, lots of great stuff. Lots of great stuff. For sure, man. 
Um, Hard to mention so, them all because there's so many things on that campaign. <laughs> right. Yeah, I uh, I was scrolling through the, the Indiegogo campaign and I was like, oh man, the, the perk list is just endless. I don't, yeah, I don't even know if big. I made it to the end. <laughs> it's a lot. I think there's something like 50, 50 perks or something on there. We've been adding to the campaign as we've gone along though too. Like we added the, the screen use chainsaw quite late because I was having troubles getting a hold of the of the person that's going to sell me that chainsaw uh, to use on screen, and he was, you know, hesitant to actually sell it to me. So I wasn't sure if we we're going to be able to uh, to uh, put that on the campaign. And then he gave me the go ahead, and I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. And it sold in five days. So uh, it was late to the campaign, but it made it, and it sold. So I was happy about that. Nice, nice, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to uh, to seeing uh, the film, or you know, uh, when whenever it's going to get made. Like, uh, are you still doing uh, uh, shoots on it, or like, uh, is it almost completed, or where, where's the status on it now? The status is we've only shot footage for our teaser trailer, uh, and the teaser trailer was just to promote uh, our Indiegogo campaign. So. Uh, filming doesn't actually begin uh, tentatively due to COVID, of course, um, uh, in September. Uh, so um, we're hoping to shoot by mid-September in Texas, uh, if we can. Again, we do have to hit our, hit our goal. We might do one more Indiegogo campaign just to make sure we, we get over that, uh, that little hump we need to get to Texas. But, uh, but we're pretty confident we can get there. Uh, but again, it's it's COVID that's going to be kind of the the big player in all this. Is is COVID still going to be a factor by September? Hopefully not. With all the vaccines that are apparently being distributed, I haven't got mine yet, but uh, I should be getting mine soon. Uh, but I think I think people in the U.S. Are, aren't getting them quite as fast. I think it's a kind of um, kind of a mixed bag. I'm not sure. I'm again, I'm in Western Canada, and they have a, a system for who gets their their vaccine. And it's, I think they've started with older people, and it's getting to my age group pretty soon. But uh, so, I mean, COVID's a factor. COVID's definitely a factor. If we have to push it, we will. Um, the latest I would push it this year is maybe October. Um, Mid-October would be the latest. I want to be definitely wrapped by the end of October if I can. Uh, and if we can't make that happen, we'll push it to the, to the spring of next year. Uh, just because, you know, we, I, we want to make it right. We don't want to just rush the, the production and, and, uh, make something that, uh, you know, looks kind of half-assed. I want to make sure that we make the right film for everybody, make the film that everybody's going to be proud of at, at the end of the day and, uh, be excited for. Right on, man. And, uh, I have a question for you and I don't know if, if, you know, if you'll be able to answer it or not, but, uh, so you mentioned that John Dugan had done a voiceover in uh, the teaser trailer. Uh, could we possibly see some uh, familiar cameos, uh, or you know, familiar faces as cameos in this, or is that something you can't mention? I can mention. I can't tell you who, uh, and I can only tell you that it can only happen if we hit stretch goals. Um, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, famous people cost money. And uh, our minimum goal is just to get the film made. 
uh, in Texas. So if we want to get these cameos, we, we can we can get a cameo for sure. I've I have contacts with uh, you know some multiple people that are that uh, that we could get. We have one person in particular in mind that we would like to have in the film, but you know um, again, it's it's just gonna it's gonna take uh, hitting our stretch goals if we want to make that happen. Um, again, it's possible. I think we will still do one more Indiegogo campaign just to see if we can possibly make that happen. So it's, it is possible. I can't, I can't drop any names. So I, I just, uh, it wouldn't be, it's not, it's, it's not right to them unless they were, were cool with it. But, uh, you know, going through a lot of management and stuff like that, they're basically like, we can't, uh, attach, attach anybody to the film unless the film is funded, <laughs> you know, unless it's fully funded, uh, then, then they can be attached, but uh, but in, in the meantime, yeah, we, we can't actually drop any names. Okay, yeah, that's that's why I, I asked. I'm like, well, I'm not sure that you can answer it, but I, I figured I would just ask <laughs> anyways. Um, it's worth an ask. It was so you, you, I gave you the best answer I could. I mean, it's definitely a, ver- a big possibility, but again, we have to raise more money. So uh, if you want to see some cool faces in our film, back the campaign that's all i can say just uh uh back it is you know we have so many awesome perks still available you could be an executive producer uh or an associate we sold a lot of associate producers but we haven't sold uh too many we haven't sold any executive producers yet so you can be an executive producer on our film if you want <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure um and you know so i, I see the campaign uh right now is sort of coming to an end like you know there's a handful of days left uh, possibly uh after this episode is aired um but th- that shouldn't let the fans fret on uh like oh i'm too late or anything because you know you mm-hmm. might possibly do another one we might if, possibly do another one yeah so you know if uh, the people who are listening uh don't listen to this in time uh there still might be time. You just have to look up Sawyer, the Sawyer Massacre on Indiegogo campaigns or IndiegogoCampaign.com, I think is what it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, and I'm sure that's that's probably what the name will be if, if you do another campaign. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, um, the names are slightly different each time. Um, so I think uh, the, the first one was just called the Sawyer Massacre. Uh, Indiegogo campaign. This one was called the Sawyer Massacre, uh, a TCM fan film Indiegogo campaign. And if we do one more, it'll be uh, the Sawyer Massacre final pre-production, something like that, final pre-production campaign, so that people know that that's their last chance to to get in on uh, on uh, helping uh, helping our film get to Texas. It's definitely our. It definitely is the last chance that we'll have to get to Texas. Uh, I still think it's possible to do it in this campaign, but uh, but it's anything's possible. But uh, it's it's letting the fans know that uh, that it's out there. Right, right. Yeah, I uh, you know I I'm a big fan of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, you know some of the sequels are pretty good. I I didn't mind uh, the first reboot. Um, I I think that kind of hit my age uh, pr- pretty decent. Uh, I think I was probably like 14 at the time that came. So that was kind of like prime 
uh, you know, horror movie watching with your buddies and, uh, you know, so it was, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, you know, it did have some flaws, but, uh, I can't complain. The, yeah, I guess I would say, uh, the Texas chain or what was it? Texas or chains. Maybe it was just called Texas chainsaw 3d. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. That one, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that was probably my least favorite of the, of the series. We're, but. we're in agreement on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even though next generation, uh, might be up there as well, but, uh, there was, there's a few things that, uh, you know, added some charm to it that that makes it not my least favorite yeah matthew yeah. mcconaughey probably being the biggest thing if i if, <laughs> uh he yeah he makes it watchable for me he's entertaining it makes it entertaining <laughs> but uh but yeah it's not not uh not considered not considered the best that's for sure <laughs> for sure for sure um uh the, the other question i had uh with this being a fan film, I know like not a lot of uh, movie fan films are like full length feature films. Uh, will this one be a full length feature, or will this sort of be like a short? No, this would be a uh, this would be a feature. This would be a full length feature. Um, the script is about eighty six pages long, so we're figuring it'd be around a ninety minute movie. Um, but again, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a lot of film to make. So uh, the more money we raise, the better we can make it. Um, and uh, but yeah, it would be a feature. That's as simple as I can put it. Yeah, it, <laughs> I don't I don't see it not being a feature. That's for sure. I don't see me trying to cut it down to, you know, uh, thirty forty five minutes or something like that. I I think this is going to be, I I think no matter what, it's going to be over an hour at least. Um, but hopefully, we make the full ninety minutes style movie that we want want to make because there's just so much meat in there that uh, we would like to keep very cool very cool man i i noticed uh on some of your other uh like short films and other films that you've made uh that you've also uh posed the music for your films uh will you be composing music for this film i will be Although uh, there's a couple uh, other composers out there that have uh, reached out to me and just have expressed a massive interest in in uh, having some sort of of their own music in the film because they're such big fans of uh, of the original, and I thought you know I thought to myself well it's going to be a lot of work for me to compose this film all by myself so uh, I was open to that fact and I, I but I, at the same time I, I was very adamant that it has to fit the it has to fit the atmosphere of the film, uh, but I've heard a couple pieces from other composers that work really, really well. Uh, so I I won't be the only composer on this film, but uh, I will definitely be composing the vast majority of everything that you that you hear. But uh, it's nice to have some collaborations. Uh, it's you know I, I definitely uh, support other other uh, composers anywhere anywhere I can because uh, it's a it's it's actually my first uh, profession music. Uh, I I've been a professional musician long before I was into filmmaking. So, um, I definitely understand the art, and there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of good musicians out there. So, I support anywhere I can. But again, I, I was pretty adamant that 
it's got to fit the tone of the movie. <laughs> and but they did right. they did good. They did good, so I'm I'm happy to use their their music. Very cool, man. Yeah, I, I look forward to hearing uh, the soundtrack as well because I, uh, you know, as much as I love horror movies, I also uh, love listening to uh, the soundtracks to you know horror movies or you know special interest movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, very cool. Uh, do you think uh, you could possibly do like a soundtrack perk, like you know people could buy the soundtrack or? I actually haven't thought of that to be honest. With you. It's uh, <laughs> it's 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 actually not a bad idea. It's uh, I'd I'd have to yeah. It's something I could I could pro- probably see about adding to the next campaign. I don't know if I'd add it to this campaign, but I'll uh, ask around and see if that would be a popular perk or not. Uh, I have no idea. Um, since our soundtrack's not going to be like a bunch of artists or anything like that, it's just going to be. You know, like say a, a John Williams type of soundtrack or something like that, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I just don't know how in demand that would be, but uh, it, it could be. It could be. I just never really thought of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know, like, you know, if uh, I mean, I would, I would assume that uh, that you know, there is a fan base for soundtracks. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know bands like Goblin and John Carpenter have kind <laughs> of. Uh, paved the the avenue for a lot of uh you know musicians that do uh soundtrack type music um you know i think i think there is a fan base uh, there probably is yeah there there i i imagine there is cuz uh they do sell they do sell them the the soundtracks to these uh, movies do get sold so uh yeah thank you for bringing that to my attention cuz i think we should add it now right <laughs> I, I will mention, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, distribution companies like Severn Films uh, and, and even, like, Blue Underground, they're starting to add movie soundtracks to the release of their movies. So maybe you could do, like, a bundle, you know, with, like, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, plus CD, you know, soundtrack CD, or, you know, something like that. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. I'll definitely look into that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Got to pick my team members a little bit and see what they think and uh, you know, see the best avenue as far as uh, going about a soundtrack. But yeah, definitely, definitely uh, that, uh, that's not a bad idea. And it wouldn't be too expensive of a perk, so it's probably uh, a good one for, um, for backers. Awesome. I'm glad I could uh, throw some ideas out there. Yeah, glad you could too. <laughs> um, you know, speak, uh, speaking of soundtracks, uh, are are you like a you know, and being a composer, are you uh, a fan of like other uh, horror movie soundtracks? And and if so, do you have any favorites? Yeah, um, I mean, I am a big fan of uh, the original soundtrack for. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but uh, I don't know if I could say that's my favorite. Um, I mean, it, it's perfect for what the movie is, um, but at the end of the day, I, I recognize you know it's a, it's more about sound rather than music, uh, and uh, really well done sound. But uh, if I was to pick a soundtrack that uh, that uh, really that really I feel captures a atmosphere better than anything else is probably 
probably John Carpenter's Halloween uh, is the first one that always comes to mind. Uh, even though a lot of the music is like replayed throughout the movie, it's just those t- those eerie tunes uh, stick with you. And they really do capture the the atmosphere of the movie. You didn't need a lot of compositions. I think there's maybe, what, five or six actual compositions in that entire film and maybe some different variations on a couple of them. Uh, but, you know, they, they work, man. They, they just, uh, they really add to that, that movie. And uh, probably, may, I, can, I can only imagine what Halloween would be like if it didn't have that music to it. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it so. would probably be a totally complete different movie i mean the soundtrack to it really helps like just mold the movie yes very much what it is yeah so that would be the one that i that sticks out the most that's for sure um but there's other ones too um uh, black christmas is another one of my favorite uh, horror films and I, I think the again the music really helps uh, that film a lot too. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's just, there's so many, there's so many great compositions out there, and so many great composers. But uh, I'm a big fan of John Carpenter overall. I mean, this that that guy is uh, uh, he 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 has had a great career, and he's uh, definitely worn many hats. And I I, I can definitely appreciate uh, what he's done over the years. Um, and not just in horror, you know, that's the thing is he's, uh, I don't think, I think I've seen, seen him in an interview saying he didn't really want to even do horrors. He really originally wanted to do, uh, Westerns, <laughs> which uh. is kind of, kind of, I wouldn't expect that from him, but, uh, you know, it's at the same time, you know, you can kind of understand a little bit, but, uh, um, man, yeah, he, I, I feel like he could do pretty much any movie that he wanted to. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of different types of movies so i would say as i mean as a overall horror director he he is the man <laughs> he yes. is the man <laughs> absolutely uh i'm trying to think did he ever make a western or was uh maybe he did but i haven't seen it <laughs> but i know he, he said that in a, in, a, in an interview he said i wanted to do westerns when i got out of film school but westerns weren't popular when i you know in the early seventies or whatever. And, uh, uh, Westerns were done. They were more of a fifties and sixties type of, uh, film and you weren't seeing Westerns anymore. So that's why they, you got into horror. Horrors were at that time, horror films were the easiest to, to, to make and the easiest to get distribution on. So it made sense. Um, but he sure did a damn good job. I'll say that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Hands down. But I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna see if uh, John Carpenter ever did make a western. I, I hope he did. <laughs> that would I'm be trying cool. to think. I think the closest um, would be uh, John Carpenter's Vampires with James Woods. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, it's not a western western, but it it's uh, I, it has the essence of a, of of a western. That's for sure. You get that sense. You get a yeah. similar. Yeah. You know the the whole desert setting yeah. type thing. Uh, you know I, that I think that's the closest I could. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head. Um, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably the closest I can think of too. <laughs> Great film. I, I underappreciated film, in my opinion. I know a lot of, a lot of people didn't like that one, but I kind I did. I dug it. 
I dug it. <laughs> I saw it in theaters actually when it came out. I think it was ninety eight. I was like eighteen at that time. Oh, so, right. yeah, I remember seeing it in theaters. Me and my buddy, uh, my buddy Julio, <laughs> we went and saw it together. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, man. So, uh, I know we're kind of trailing off of. Uh, the campaign. Uh, we can talk anything, though, you know. <laughs> right. Um. Uh, let's see. So I, I like to ask a lot of my listeners: uh, Do you have a favorite Universal monster or Universal monster film? Do I have a favorite Universal monster or Universal monster film? Uh, I have been asked that before. I mean, I would probably, uh, as far as Universal Monster goes, I'd probably pick the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I probably would. <laughs> um, the Gary Oldman whether, one, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could pick that as my favorite film, though, but uh, that version of Dracula definitely appeals to me but I'll, I'll say this um and i haven't seen the whole series yet mind you the on netflix there's that castlevania series um i even think that version of dracula is even better but it's still got the same s the same kind of essence as the uh bram stoker's dracula as well um and that's you know the um, the, the, the whole reason for his madness and all that kind of stuff. I think that, uh, to me, that's what works the best for, for Dracula. It's kind of a love story. Uh, at the same time, it, it shows why he, he, uh, he, uh, became evil or I guess you could say he wasn't really a bad man until, uh, until this happened. And I, I kind of like that aspect rather than some of the other versions I've seen of Dracula, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, but can I say the Gary Oldman Dracula is my favorite universal monster movie? Uh, if Keanu Reeves was a little bit better in that movie, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but he really brings that. It's like, uh, why was he so bad? <laughs> you know, and you know, Keanu Reeves is one of those actors that he's good in certain roles, but he's. Overall, and, and he's a fellow Canadian, and I think he's great in certain things. He was terrible in that, though. He really brought that down quite a bit. But hey. uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's almost too bad. It's because I, I feel like it's a great movie with a with one terrible actor in it, and uh, <laughs> or at least I don't want to say he's a terrible actor, but it was a terrible acting performance. And uh, definitely brings that movie down. So whether I could say that's my absolute favorite monster movie, probably not. I'd probably go something back to something a little bit older. Uh, Nineteen thirty-nine, I think it's thirty-nine. Frankenstein is is one I I, I can come back to. And uh, I think it was nineteen forty, the nineteen forty uh, Wolfman. Yeah, I like uh, those. Those two would kind of battle it out for best film. But uh, I mean, as far as a character goes, I would I would pick uh, pick that version of Dracula, or the Castlevania version of Dracula. <laughs> for sure, right Which on. Are, yeah, I mean, similar. There's, there, there's no wrong answer. Uh, yeah, because I mean, they're they're all great in their own way. Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I uh, I definitely like to see, uh, you know, like with the Invisible Man reboot uh, that Plumhouse did. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was really good, and I would like to see some of these other Universal monsters kind of get the same treatment, like kind of make it like, uh, you know, a present day type uh, scenario with with these. The, you know, premise of the same stories that, that these universal monsters went through. Yeah, uh, I can see that. But, yeah. You know, I think some of them will be kind of hard to, to do, but and I know uh, uh, the shape of water is kind of similar to like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Very in a true, way. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if they would remake that, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon so soon, but I mean, who knows? Maybe. You know, they could maybe keep it more true to the Creature of the Black Lagoon series. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be cool. That would, uh, I, I think there's there's a lot of potential, that's for sure. Um, but we've seen a lot... Of, I've seen a lot of them get redone in, uh, in the last 10, 20 years, and they just don't quite hold up for whatever reason. They, they missed the mark. Yeah. Uh, um, the the remake of the Wolfman, I think from twenty ten, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. I was right into that for the first twenty minutes, and then I just uh, it lost me. I don't know. <laughs> I have to watch it again, but uh, it was like I was. I thought I was. I felt like it was going to be great, and I, you have a great cast, and the uh, the uh, the time period looked looked right, and every looked really great. And then I don't know. Once it got into uh, the story more, I just kind of it, it didn't it didn't feel right. So I don't know. Uh, I think there's potential, though. I mean, we have that potential to to make these uh, great films now. Just uh, I think it, I think they need the right people on board is what it is. It needs it needs somebody who has a, a vision for them rather than the studio's vision. <laughs> right. If that makes any sense. That makes it makes total sense. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, you know, I'll I'll add to the 2010 Wolfman remake. Uh, I, from what I could recall, um, I thought it was okay. It it wasn't something that like they didn't knock it out of the park or anything with that one. Uh, but it it's an okay modern take. But uh, you know, I think one day they might do a remake of it and you know hopefully they'll execute that one very well hopefully but hopefully who knows? yeah yeah i have to rewatch it again i i honestly i mean i kind of the whole middle of that movie kind of uh dragged for me i guess and it is you know it's uh i have to watch it again and, and maybe i'll get a new appreciation for it but uh but yeah i remember being excited for it when it, it the, the first 20 minutes felt great to me and then it just kind of died for me it didn't uh it, i don't know and again great great cast great cast and the the actors were doing great but it just felt like uh the story just didn't quite uh didn't it, it was a little bit lackluster i think you could say for sure yeah for sure um do you have like a, a favorite uh subgenre of horror is there one that kind of you know sticks out to you than uh than some of the other ones, I'd like to say slasher, but I I, I kind of feel like uh, 
slasher is a become synonymous with the 80 slashers now it's a it's a when people think slasher they think of chopping mauler they they think of sleepaway camp and and friday the 13th and uh, where those aren't really my slashers I, I really go back to the older slashers that had a little bit more of a psychological feel to them so again like john carpenter's halloween is is, uh, is a great example um and uh, the original Black Christmas, and uh, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, to a point, is a slasher, although it's more of a uh, exploitation type of slasher. Um, but uh, you know, those those films that have a little bit more of a psychological aspect to them, so um, rather than than uh, what slashers became in the eighties um, and and nineties, even to a point. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to say that, but, uh, but again, I, I feel like if I say slasher, everybody, everybody always thinks of, of those types of movies, which there's nothing wrong with the, those movies either. I don't, I definitely don't hate movies like, uh, like Friday the 13th or Sleepaway Camp, but they're not my favorites though, either. Um, and Friday the 13th, I mean, it, geez, it's, it's pretty much the biggest horror franchise of all time. So, uh. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Anyways, maybe that and Nightmare on Elm Street are kind of, kind of rival a bit, but uh, but uh, but it is it's pretty darn big. But there's only really a couple of Friday the Thirteenth movies that I that I really enjoy, uh, where all the rest of them kind of feel like it's just about adding up the body count. And I don't necessarily think that that's um, all a slasher film should be. There should be some there should be some psychological elements. Um, and I, yeah, I just feel like a lot of those films in the eighties didn't really give those psychological elements. It was more about, uh, body count gore and, uh, it's just not, it's, it doesn't do a lot for me seeing a lot of gore and just, uh, you know, killing the typical cliche type characters that we don't care about anyways. And, and in a, in a bloody graphic way and, you know, uh, Yeah. So that that's that's my take on it, but I, I I would like so I'd like to say slasher, but uh, maybe I would say psychological thriller to 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 uh, to kind of uh, counter that a little bit. <laughs> For sure. <clears throat> For sure. Um, uh, you know, like on uh, on my show, uh, I I kind of uh, high praise uh, effects over CGI. Um, Where's your stance on with that topic? Like, are you more of a, a practical effects kind of guy, or uh, is CGI kind of uh, the future in your eyes? No, I think I think uh, CGI is kind of the past now. I mean, uh, I mean, there are still films using it a lot, but I think that that uh, we've we've finally come to a time where practical effects are are coming back more and more, and I appreciate that more and more. I know it's easier to use cgi but it just it it looks so stupid in my opinion every time i see cgi gore i'm like nope nope doesn't work for me um so uh yeah i mean there i think there's there's so much more art with practical uh, practical effects you have to be an artist yeah sure you have you have to do a little be a little bit of an artist with cgi but it's not the same you 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 really have to be a good computer person, I guess, with with the CGI more than anything else. And I think that uh, it's really good to see a lot more practical effects come back. 
And I don't know. I think I, I don't. I don't feel like CGI gore, uh, CGI uh, effects are are, uh, are on the rise. That's for sure. They were on the rise, you know, ten years ago or so, or even before that. Um, but I, I don't know. It it seems like more and more films are wanting to use practical effects, and I uh, definitely definitely appreciate that. I have personally never used CGI effects. Um, I always try to do everything practical. And, you know, sometimes I do something that works and sometimes I do something that doesn't. And it doesn't mean I go to, to CGI. I don't, I wouldn't know the first thing about doing CGI anyways, because I am not a very techie computer type guy, but I, I do know a few people that, that, uh, that do, but I just, I just, I just would rather not. <laughs> I would just rather not. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean it, it's uh for me it's 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 I'm definitely a practical effects guy but uh you know, I mean I guess if if uh CGI starts looking even more and more realistic, but usually it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like it doesn't look it doesn't look very good. At least not in uh in horror. Uh for a lot of those Marvel films and whatever, I think I think I think even those overuse CGI in my opinion, I think those overuse them, but there's certain areas where they work, where, where it works good, very, very well. And you probably couldn't pull that off. Uh, most likely you, you just couldn't pull that off without CGI. So I think they have, it definitely has a time and a place. Um, but still it, it feels overused in, in those, uh, in those types of movies, in all the comic book films, pretty much. It's it's definitely overused, but uh, it's needed in, to some capacity. That's for sure. Time and a place. Time and a place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed with CGI over the years is, uh, you know, when it's when it's the latest thing at the time, you know, we think like, oh, this is great. You know, it looks awesome. And then you know, years later, you look back and it's like, man, that that was pretty crappy. Like it. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're always evolving as as time goes on. And so, you know, like even like with Godzilla vs. Kong, the new one this year, it looks great right now. But what's to say 10 years from now, if, you know, we look back on it, is it going to hold up? or Is it going to hold up? Yeah, exactly. Some do, some don't, right? It's uh Yeah. Yeah. Like I can look at the Star Wars, I can look at the Star Wars prequels, uh, and obviously I'm a big uh, Star Wars fan too. Um, uh, but I can look at those prequels and say, boy, they they don't the CGI doesn't hold up for me. At least they it doesn't anyways. Uh, just just mm-hmm. overuse so, again. I think there's there's certain areas where it works really well, but uh, a lot of them it's like, why did you do CGI for that? You know why? It doesn't make sense. It looks bad, um, but but uh, you know <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, and I know it's all that about saving that dollar, I guess. Yeah, a little bit, and I know it was what Lucas was into. George Lucas was very into uh, doing CGI stuff, but uh, at the same time, I think everything being CGI, it made the real actors uh, a little bit more wooden as far as their performances go, because it's so hard to, to act when you're not in, in an environment, when you're in a studio and a green screen in front of you and everything like that. It makes it tough. It's, uh, 
Uh, I know Natalie Portman was pretty vocal about that uh, for the uh, for the prequels. Um, I haven't really heard about Hayden Christensen or anything, but uh, I'm I'm sure he might have some things to say about that too. I, I mean, I I'm not one of those guys that wants to blame Hayden Christensen for for his uh, performances in in those films. I'm not saying he's a great actor or anything, but but at the same time, you know, um, there's there are reasons for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I would like to see if Hayden Christensen can act in more films nowadays. And maybe, I, well, I guess he is going to play uh, Darth Vader in the new Obi-Wan series. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty Although cool. you won't, won't really get to see him act much because he's going to have a mask on. And it's probably going to be James Earl Jones' voice. But apparently <laughs> he's going to be in the suits. So right. I'm sure we'll get something from him anyways. <laughs> They would have to use James Earl Jones' voice. As long as he's alive. Right. I don't know. He's getting pretty... He's what in his 90s now, I think, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with Darth Vader after James Earl Jones is gone. I mean, I don't know if there's somebody that can possibly pull off that kind of voice. It's a tough voice to, to come by. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, he's, he's got a unique voice. Yeah, yeah. You, that'll be tough. But apparently there are voice artists out there that can do almost any voice. Uh, I heard, heard the Morgan Freeman guy and it's like, he apparently there, I can't remember the guy's name, but apparently his voice is just spot on it. And they actually use this guy's voice as Morgan Freeman's voice on a lot of commercials and stuff like that, that oh, Morgan God. Freeman just can't even do is like, <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's there, there are voices out there. There are, <laughs> there are people that can do that kind of stuff. Um, but that's a tough voice. Uh, James Earl Jones oh, yeah. is tough voice. That won't be easy. So hopefully we have James Earl Jones for a little bit longer, at least for the, this Obi-Wan series, because I am interested in it. I am a Star Wars nerd. Uh, Return of the Jedi is my favorite. I get a lot of flack for that. I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, I get a lot of flack, hey. but it's my favorite. <laughs> It's it's a fantastic series or universe, I should say. Yes, <laughs> I I uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm on the other side of the spectrum, but uh, I I I really dig uh, the Lord of the Rings franchise. I really like that one. Um, I don't know more. I don't know if I would say more than Star Wars. I mean, they're they're both pretty high up there for me. You know, I yeah. I do dig both series uh or i keep saying series they're like their franchises but uh i don't know i i really dig the uh the medieval uh side of things and, oh yeah know. i do too actually i mean i love lord of the rings too but uh at the same time i just grew up with star wars a little bit more so but i do love lord of the rings yeah yeah for sure and uh <laughs> i i really want uh you know, I, I keep saying this on other podcasts too, but I really want uh, Peter Jackson to come back to the horror side of things and and give us some more horror content because uh, some of his early works uh, I think are kind of what kind of helped him get to the level he is now. And uh, those movies are just so fantastic. Uh, Brain Dead or Dead Alive uh, mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite movies of all time, and. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, knowing that 
what he did with the budget that he had is just unbelievable. So, uh, you know, I definitely would like to see him go back to the horror genre with, you know, the, the knowledge that he has now as a filmmaker. And I bet you he could, you know, blow some minds. <laughs> I bet he could. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would love to see that too. Uh, yeah. Spielberg is another one. I'd love to see like do more horror. I know he's dabbled in it, but, uh, I'd like, I'd love to see him go straight full on. I bet. And I bet he could, I mean, he's getting older now, but he's still directing. So I don't know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him do uh, a horror. I know he could do it. Yeah. <laughs> I know he could do it. I mean, Jaws is, is yeah. amazing. I, I think, and you know, the, there's that, I want to say controversy, but, uh, there's always that talk of like who actually directed Poltergeist. Poltergeist, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he definitely he definitely can pull it off. Uh, it's just a matter of if he wants to do it or not. <laughs> I'd love to see it. That's all I can say. I'd love to see uh, Spielberg kind of return to horror because again, that's it's kind of where he started a little bit, not like full on, but. Uh, no, Jaws definitely has that. Uh, Duel is definitely Duel was a TV movie, but still, it was very horror. It was a, uh, I think it's an underrated film. Um, so, I mean, I think I think uh, Spielberg is definitely. Uh, I'd love to see it. I, it's just something yeah. I would I would love to see him do again. He's uh, he's another director that can do a lot of types of movies. Uh, whether and I don't like every every movie he does but uh the fact that he can do all these so many different styles of movies i love it i love it i love uh absolutely love when directors are that versatile and inventive uh, man i mean geez <laughs> there's just so much i could say about spielberg i would probably <laughs> say if, if there's one director that would be my all-time favorite it's probably him um just for everything he's done even though again there are films of his that you know that don't do it for me, but I can still appreciate them. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, definitely would like to see Spielberg go back to the horror genre. That would, that would definitely be awesome. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. Um, you know, as, as we're coming close towards the end of the show, uh, is there anything that, uh, that you'd like the listeners to know about uh, anything in particular or, you know, What's what's next for Steve Merlo? Have you have you <laughs> thought ahead? And uh, you know, after this movie, do you have any uh, ambitions that that you'd like to pursue? Definitely, definitely. Um, and I get asked this quite a bit, actually. You know, are you going to make more Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan films? Um, and the answer to that is probably not. But uh, I'm always open to it. <laughs> I'm open to the possibilities, but it would definitely be way down the line. Um, if, if it was going to happen, um, I plan on making more of my original, uh, content. I have so many screenplays, uh, some are, some are still in works, but at the same time, you know, that I, I, I need to, I definitely want to be able to focus on being able to make some of those. Um, because, uh, again, you know, you, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to make money doing fan films. It's just not, not, not something you can do. Um, but hopefully this fan film will, will, uh, be able to, uh, give me those opportunities to make my original content. Uh, again, not that our, not that the fan film isn't original in any ways. It's an original story. It just happens to fit 
very well in the in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre universe. But there, at the same time, there was also a time we considered not making it a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan film. It, uh, we thought of some more of it being an inspired by uh, kind of movie. But uh, I chose the fan film route because uh, I never I I never like fan uh, films that look like ripoffs. <laughs> you know, so that that would be the biggest reason why I didn't go that route. As I look at some of these movies that are that re- are pretty clear ripoffs, and I won't mention names or anything like that, but uh, but uh, but again, it's there. You can tell they're inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but uh, but uh, I think a lot of people view them as ripoffs, and I didn't want to be viewed that way. Um, so we chose the fan film route because of that, and also because we got John Dugan to do the voice of Grandpa. I think that was a big <laughs> once once we had that locked in it was like okay it's got to be a fan film now uh and uh and so yeah here we are making a fan film um i can tell you as far as the fan film the fan film goes um it's gonna be gritty it's gonna f- I, I this might feel more like the original than any other film in the franchise has i can't speak for the new one that they're making but uh but uh, it, whether we film it in Canada or Texas, hopefully Texas, but uh, whether no matter where we film it, we're going to give it that, that gritty feel it deserves to have, but a totally different story than what you saw in the original, um, but still really works within that realm. And uh, I think we've added a very disturbing layer that's going to just give people more. Um, I think that was one of the elements I, I, I was wanting in the remake that I'd never got was something really disturbing about, uh, about, about the Hewitt family, I guess you would call them in the, in the remake because they kind of, kind of removed the whole cannibalism aspect in that remake. And I think that's fine. That's okay. They could, I would have been fine with that, but I didn't really get. Uh, something else to uh, to put in its place, uh, put in the place of cannibalism, and I think it needed that. Uh, you know, it was just kind of like they're rebelling against society or something like that. And uh, just uh, th- again, it's one of the elements that doesn't really work for me about that film, and I, I feel like it's missing that. Uh, there's other things that that bother me about that film, but uh, that's sort of the the big thing. So I, I I knew I had had to add something that hadn't really been done. Uh, at least not to uh, 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 the level that we're doing it. And uh, I think you're going to get that. I think uh, the, my goal is that by the time people finish watching this movie, that uh, they they won't be able to believe what they saw, hopefully. And hopefully right they'll on. be talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Uh, and I love the fact that you're going to keep practical effects in this movie all the way. That's, oh, that's definitely. probably a big <laughs> selling point for me. So That's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely practical effects. There will be no CGI at all. Right on, man. Um, well, is there anything else that you want the listeners uh, to know about before we take off here? Just uh, our campaign's live for another, I think, eight or nine days. I think nine days. Uh, back to campaign. Lots of cool stuff on there still. And uh, again, you, it's an opportunity, in my opinion, to be a part of horror history. Um, so don't miss out. It's uh, it's uh, again, we might have another campaign. We might not, though. Too. I mean, if we do hit our goal with this, we're definitely not going to have a, another campaign because um, we'll end up being in demand, and then we then we can hit stretch goals with that. But uh, but um, 
yeah, so I mean, just uh, get, get on board while you can. Um, I think I think it's a great film. Check out our teaser trailer. Uh, you can hear Grandpa speak for the first time. <laughs> you can hear John Tukin speak as Grandpa for the first time. So we actually have two trailers online, but one was filmed 100% in Canada, and one, one was filmed about 50-50 Canada, 50-50 Texas with our Texas cast. So uh, I always encourage people to check that one out because you at least get the Texas vibe from that one. So definitely check that out. It's had, it's, and it's had amazing reception. I mean, I can't believe, uh, the reception we've had from that teaser. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, uh, not what I expected when we released it. I thought people would like it, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was received better than I thought it would be. Um, because we really haven't had anything negative other than three dislikes on, on, on three people hit the dislikes. There's no negative comments about it or anything like that. It's all positive wow. and you rarely, rarely see that. Uh, so, uh, I w- always expect at least one or two negative comments. Uh, our first trailer had some negative comments and, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's usually inevitable that you're going to get somebody who doesn't like it. But, uh, again, we, I mean, there are three dislikes on it, but I mean, <laughs> That's nothing, but I think uh, I think we just need more people to see it. I, I just would like more people to see it. Uh, I'd like to see, I would like to, that teaser to have like fifty thousand views, but uh, but again, it's uh, it's getting it out there. We, so definitely go check out our teaser, share it, share it as much as you can. Let the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre community know that uh, that uh, we're gonna make something very very special here. Right on. Uh, and t- to add on to the the teaser topic, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know you do have a teaser up on the Indiegogo page or the Indiegogo yep. campaign, uh, but you also have a YouTube channel as well. Will all of the trailers and teasers be on the YouTube channel as well? Yes, they'll all be on the YouTube channel, and that's and Meet Mungus Merlo is, is my is my YouTube channel. Uh, Meet Mungus <laughs> Merlo. <laughs> All right, yeah, so all the listeners need to go check out the teaser uh, at either the Indiegogo campaign or Meet Mungus Merlot on YouTube and uh, and check it out. Fund the movie. I mean, this is good. This looks like it's going to be a fun project, and uh, definitely, you know, if you're a, a horror fan, horror collector, and you love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, this is definitely something that you need to add in your collection and, you know, add to your library of movies. Definitely. So, <laughs> well put. So, well put. Yeah. so, Steve, man, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on here. Well, thanks for having me, man. It, re- it was a lot of fun. Well, that about wraps up the episode. I uh, just want to say thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. Uh, it's a lot of fun talking always enjoy talking about the texas chainsaw uh franchise and uh and uh just horror in general that's why i do these podcasts so uh so much fun Uh, i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh if you'd like to follow me on social network i'm on facebook and instagram at root horror podcast uh i also have a linktree website at linktree.com forward slash root horror podcast that's where you can find my website youtube channel pretty much everything that's related to root horror podcast you can find me there Uh, just want to say thank you all for listening and uh stay tuned for the next one
the Root Horror Podcast would like to thank Pit Lord and Evil Deadbeats for providing music to the show.